This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Command cave, if you will, inside the Melon Law studio. Melon Law, with 50 years of experience, uh, the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators, Melon Law, won't back down. And remember, crime prevention, worry less with crime prevention security systems by preventing package theft with their doorbell camera. You can contact them today at cpss.net. And of course, a shout out to our country lawyer, uh, Maurice T. McDaniel, who is the sponsor for our vastly looked at mugshot page. Tune in and check it out. Make sure you don't have any friends on there. Uh, if you do, at least you'll be able to find it right away. And there it is. And of course, we archive all of our shows at wartscottfiles.com. And we also are currently on YouTube lives. And then we record and post at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, tune in a various bunch of places. So you can find us. And uh, we appreciate your support and concern for us being able to get you as much information, accurate information as we can possibly get you about whatever it is might be troubling you on your mind and around the corner and all that. Got an update on the interesting thing that we've been covering for quite a while, and that is the uh, situation with the jailhouse votes. And by the way, our phone line is today open. It's called uh, Friday Open Line. And so you can call anytime you want to, and uh, we will be putting you when you call in the Facebook chat holding room uh, and, the, in, and telephone line for holding room and then put you on hot with me. So there's a uh, opportunity for you to talk about anything you want to talk about. And we're also interested in your uh, feedback on what we cover. So um, we want to give you an update on the jailhouse voting. The um, one particular fellow here, Theresius Lee Connie Jr., as I understand it, is currently in Rayford, uh, serving a his punishment term for what he did. He's got a pretty extensive felony record here, um, and um, he has been one who registered and voted in the jail. And he's made an interesting request, and that is that he be brought down here to Alachua County right now so that he can uh, plead his case and however it might plead. We anticipate in his uh, situation, he's going to plead, okay, I did it, hands up, you got me. But his concern is that he wants to be able to serve his sentences consecutively, which I think is an interesting kind of jailhouse lawyer approach to this. Uh, these fellows are not completely in the dark about how the system works. And they become, the term is jailhouse attorneys, and they know quite well where the leaky spots are or what's the best way to uh, use the system, even though they're always trapped by the system. It seems they become obsessed by it and sort of look around in it and study it. 
And this fellow evidently has realized that if I don't ask now to be for my day in court, take me out of, bring me out of the uh, prison, bring me in the proper security cuffs, whatever it needs to be, but take me to the courthouse because I don't want this uh, hanging over my head when I serve my sentence and complete it for whatever I'm in the jail for now. And you can take a look at his reasoning and see that it makes sense from his point of view. Okay, I signed up and registered from the jail. I uh, don't contest that. It'd be interesting what he's going to say about uh, how he was led to do that. But be that as it may, his concern is when he gets out, he will have to uh, pay the piper again when why can't he just serve the sentences concurrently? So sentences served concurrently are uh, really quite uh, frequently done. And this may actually happen. It will be if he does what we think he's going to do, and that is plead guilty. It will be the first conviction uh, for of this situation. And by the way, we've reminded our callers, and we have a caller waiting in the, in, in the waiting room right now, to not use the term voter F if you must talk about this situation, which not everybody necessarily would want to. Do not use the verb the voter F because the algorithms hear it, trigger a censorship of us, and then we got to appeal it and all that kind of stuff. It's really a pain in the derriere. You can do what I do, you can say voter beep, and you can will know what you're talking about. So just before we take this caller, I want to bring you up to date on that interesting development, which has just occurred in the last uh, couple of days, where a one uh, inmate by the name of Terrace Lee Connie Jr., who is serving time now, I would like to go ahead and, and admit his guilt in his participation in, in registering and voting and uh, go ahead and serve that uh, concurrent sentence so he doesn't have it hanging over his head because he wants to get out of the uh, jailhouse free man after he served this uh, time for whatever it was he found himself in the jailhouse. Okay, we're going to let um, we're going to let our first caller. Armando Grundy is um, uh, very much involved in a lot of things in this community, and um, he's been requesting a conversation with us. So I said we're going to have a conversation line open today on Friday. So uh, production, let's listen to what Armando has on his mind. Thank you, Ward. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Thanks for calling. What's on your mind, sir? So I think I want to just start off with the elephant in the room. Um, and I'm not going to talk about necessarily the topic you were talking about, but somewhere along those lines. So you and I have a history going back 2008, 2009, 2010 uh, with the Charter Review Commission back at that time. I think you may recall. I do recall. <laughs> <laughs> and at that time, um, major topic of, of consensus or, or, or discussion that was, you know, a lot of people harangued me about was single member districts. And at that time, I, I, I'm pretty much a very independent thinker in spite of what people may think, but they're about to find out. <clears throat> so at that time, my contention was for 10 years prior to that, people could have put it on the ballot. They didn't. And I know people said, well, let the folks decide. Well, since that time, there was another 10 years that passed and it still didn't get on the ballot. That's not my reasoning. But my reasoning now is I'm going to let you know that I am in favor of single member districts and I'll tell you why. So in that time, sometimes you have to let things evolve and, and learn for yourself and see for yourself. So for 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 my community or specifically the, the black community, 
we do not have representation from this county commission. We just do not. And what I've had to learn and understand is looking at that from a different lens and not just a lens of folks with a different ideology, but how it's impacting communities. And representation comes in many different forms, not just based on race, phenotypes, et cetera. Um, but it does go to show when, when black folks are tax dollars are not being spent where they need to be. And we're not seeing that in our, in our communities. That's a sign of representation. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Allergies are acting up today. Um, they, they certainly <laughs> are. I can sympathize with you on that. <laughs> That's why I said, excuse me. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I am in favor of single member districts and will be supporting them uh, because, and I'm going to encourage many people that look like me to support them because uh, there is a single, there's, there's, a, there's a commissioner up there that has made many promises and I'm not going to name names today. I'll, I'll tell you that offline, but <laughs> I'm just not happy. I'm not, I'm not happy. And so I know a lot of people say, well, Armando, you're being political. I'm not running for anything, folks. I have no dog in the hunt and say, you know what? I just want good government. And I think Ward can attest to that. I am no longer a member of the DC. I have resigned. So I, I, I want good government. And quite frankly, I'm tired of both parties, if you really want to be frank um, in, in many regards. So, um, but I do think that people need to deserve an opportunity to, to say, you know, I think we need to have a different view and a different perspective on the county commission because there is no representation for all folks up there it is a select group of let people me ask you this, Ramondo, and that's not many, okay let me ask you this Ramondo. um uh how many people do you think you have similar uh opinions to yours right now from if you will the group of people that you represent or you identify with or identify with you are significant numbers with you on this because you know how it happened uh, mm -hmm. in the first uh, uh, go around all the black folk came in from charles chestnut to ed jennings to everybody everybody came in there and said you know we go into the streets if you push a single member district thing and it was quite alarming to me yeah but because, it, because it, it 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 was you know anything it guaranteed a a representative from so-called black districts, which I'm not necessarily for, by the way, but that's another issue. I'm just for people districts. But uh, what's what's your take on that? You hear you have a lot of people that you feel well. I'm not going to say that. I, I I can't speak to that at this moment. However, I will say that there is a growing number of of folks that are dissatisfied when they're looking at this, and some of them are tired of progressives um, or so-called progressives in this community. Um, but I will also say that I got pressure because at the time I was also a Republican um, when I was on that on that board. And I got pressure from that side, too. So pressure comes in in, in all different ways of just who wants what and, and who, who whose interest is being vested in it. This is my decision. Nobody has come to me. I came to this completely on my own. And I'm just looking at this and it's been bothering me. I have not shared that with you. It's been bothering me for a while. Not my decision. I stand by my decision and I don't regret my decision at that time based on what the information I had, but, but things have evolved. And when you're looking at this, I am not a Republican, but I'm looking at this and it's not just because I said, I think I'm going to get better representation from Republicans. I just said, I think we need to just have a change in the, in the environment. 
And if that means, you know what, some people that are different than my ideology or how I look at the world, I'm fine with that because we need to have some difference. And it's, it's the same old silos and echo chambers up there now. But to answer your question, um, to make sure I, I answer you, is it's a growing number, but I don't know what that looks like yet. But I know there's a lot of folks dissatisfied right now. Some of them you know by name as, as, as uh, characters on Facebook. Um, and, and, and you know them because you called them out before and I'm not going to say again, name names, but you know them and we know them. Um, and some of them are also, you know, you know, people that are, that are, are well known as, you know, caricatures and not people, but yes, there's a growing number. Good. Well, thank you then. Anything else on your mind while you got a, a moment with us? Yes. Yes, actually I do. So the one thing that's been bothering me also in local government it's the city of Gainesville, which is a complete dumpster fire. So the other day, the the, the, the the city came forward with the fact that it can't produce financials. It can't produce financials. The city manager released, excuse me, the interim city manager, uh, Cynthia Curry, released an executive summary of why they weren't able to produce financials and haven't been able to. The interesting thing is they named a uh, an accounting group, uh, Carl Car Riggs and, and Ingram, um, and the person that was leading and working with them is April Shooping, who, per the city manager's memo, acknowledged that the problems are dating back to 2016. So now we're pointing fingers. So the person that's leading it, guess who was the finance director for the city of Gainesville in 2016? It was April Shooping. Interesting. So we're, we're, we're not even disclosing that in, in her executive summary. Well, when you go back and look and dig deeper on the surface, her executive summary slash memo was from Carla, or excuse me, Claudia Rasnick, who's the current CFO, who, by the way, has nothing to do with this. The, the, they're firing folks left and right, and they brought Claudia over because they went to a CRM system ward called Workday. Workday was replacing their legacy CRM system, and they can't figure it out. Why? Because 50% of their HR department is vacant. Why? Because 50% of their finance department is vacant. You got rid of all the people that were working there that could have helped you, and you got rid of them. And well, let me go further back damning, and ask you. It, let me go, I may ask you one thing I just heard you say, which is interesting. I do have a copy, of course, of the memo here, and we have posted it on Ward's Hop Bulletin Board, where uh, we make public a lot of these public documents so that the people might see them without having to go through public records requests and all that. So uh, you're telling me, which I didn't know, that the April Shooping, who is a partner now from this memo I'm looking at of CPA of Carr, Riggs, and Ingram, worked for the city. Uh, uh, did I hear you right? At the time, the finance you heard me correct. Sort, of, sort of went south. Is this correct? That's correct. That's absolutely correct. I'll be darned. So tell and, me those and dates. And hold on. I have more. It gets better. It gets okay. so much better. Well, go ahead. Well, no, go ahead, because uh, if you keep the audience in suspension, you'll keep your time on the phone. I mean, that's pretty interesting. Well, well, listen, the, the reason why, I don't know, do you have the, the, the inter-office memo or do you have the executive survey? I don't know what you have because I'm not have looking both. at it right I have now. Both, but, but what I have, what, what okay, I have excellent. right here, yeah, what I have right here, and we've reported on both, I have the memo March 10, 2022 from the Cynthia Curry, who's the interim. Um, and by <laughs> so, the way, it's, it says she's permanent here, but it, that's a misnomer. She's not permanent yet to my knowledge. Yeah, she's not permanent. Right. Well, so Harvey Ward has promised her the job. Harvey Ward has promised her that job. So just adds up. Okay, but, thank um, 
Um, the thing is, and I know I know one of your listeners, um, our love, love her very much, Kathy Benton, thinks that only Nathan has the inside scoop of what's going on. In fact, well, the truth of the matter is, both of us do, and I don't come on, and I'm not the the, the, the figure Nathan Scott is. However, the historical facts and evidence are this, and and I even told Nathan this because Nathan did not know that. But here's the deal. So her memo, I'm talking about her being Cynthia Curry. Cynthia Curry's memo parrots or mirrors somewhat uh, Claudia Rasnick's memo, but leaves out a lot of detail, much detail. And what she leaves out is she does a lot of finger pointing in her memo, her being Cynthia Curry, um, finger pointing. And it's interesting because what I pointed out to them is, is this, is let me get this right. So you bring on a person to work this audit, right? To quote, quote unquote, fix the problems who you blame in your executive summary for the start of this mess. Make it make sense. <laughs> and well, then, and the then city, I guess. <laughs> well, hold on. And then she, she, she never released this in the backup of the agenda of Claudia Rasnick, which is damning. Claudia's saying you're so for physical year 2020, which would have been the start of Lee Feldman, who they loved. Let, let's remind everybody the physical year 2020, your beginning balance and your end balance. You being a city manager, no, that's a no, no. We all know that that are in that field. That is a no, no. My question to them is, how is it that you don't have financials for the last fiscal five years, but you're passing audits? I don't understand that. Oh, that's interesting. You can't make that make. That's interesting. Yeah, and then the other part of this is. We've got a clock here, so you've been on 12 minutes, so we're going to give you time as long as you've got these interesting details. Do you have anything else up Well, I'm going to keep going. I I do, plenty. (laughs) I do. Um, So I feel like I'm I'm the great magician today. So the the other fact of the matter is, Ward, is here's what, what's what's really damning for the city of Gainesville, and specifically, she's firing all white folks and replacing them with non-qualified black folks. How is it you fix the problem? You can't say you're fixing the problem by hiring a non-qualified policeman who used to be the former police chief to be your COO to handle your uh, operating affairs. And and it just doesn't make sense. And then the, the debacle with last week with the GRU statement in the city commission meeting, I don't know what that was all about, but Nathan apparently got into that one. But the, the, the money in the affairs, she, the city manager, the interim city manager called the county commission, called the county manager and some county commissioners about the GCRA budget. Now, I have credibility there because I was on the GCRA board, which is the Gainesville Community Reinvestment Area uh, Advisory Board which was a $70 million budget, $40 million from the county over 10 years, and 38 or 30-some million from the city. But $40 million of it that it was supposed to be, to be used to address urban blight and decay, specifically for targeted areas, has not been utilized. Why? Because Lee Feldman, who is, the, the, who is a credit uh, ICMA president, former ICMA president, and credentialed manager, which you know all about, is is not even handling financial affairs. This is the guy that Harvey Ward, David Ariola defended. So they blamed Sarah Vidal, who used to be the director of the CRA, and everybody else for their problems when they knew, Ward, that the workday system, they could not extrapolate or extract financials from any departments. None of them, none of those departments. And GRU works on a legacy system. So Harvey Ward is trying to convince anyway, the, the thug Harvey Ward, the racist Harvey Ward, is trying to convince everybody we're going to do a reset. Get out of here. Well, you Mondo, defended uh, a manager. 
Go ahead. Amanda, you, you said some interesting things here. Do you have do you have a body count, so to speak, on the racial composition change? Uh, you said the the, the, the white oh my God, being yeah. replaced by the black folk. Do you have a an actual document or can you provide that? And uh, so let's start off. Let's what start we're really off with the mayor's about, favorite. We're talking, we're talking about reverse racism here in a way. Well, I'm going to disagree with you on that term. When you reverse racism, you, it doesn't exist. It's just racism and discrimination. Okay, okay. And I'm no matter you. what your phenotype is. I got you. Go ahead. So, well, do you have that count? When they're, when they're being... Yes, I do. Let's start off with Shelby, the communications director, who the mayor loved. The mayor loved her. She was replaced by somebody else, and I'm not going to name... I'm not going to name... I'm, there's some things I'm not going to name names on, but yes. Um... You had the COO, you had three. So Deborah, um, one of the former uh, assistant city managers who Tony Jones replaced was very credible. We're talking about Deborah Bowie, very credible person, very intelligent human being. Now that was a, a, a black person replaced with a black person, but somebody, Deborah Bowie could at least do emails with subject verb agreement. Tony Jones can't even do that. And I'm still trying to figure out how Tony Jones got a master's degree and can't do subject verb agreement in an email. I'm trying to figure that out. I'm also trying to figure out why a, a, a former police chief is living at Lincoln Middle School in a trailer paid by you and I, the taxpayers, and has done so for many, many, many years. I'm trying to figure that out. How ethical is that, that Tony Jones lives at Lincoln Middle School and he's not providing any kind of services? That is for a school resource officer, not a senior executive or former police chief. Who makes over one hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year? Well, you and make I know a very good defend point law there, enforcement. Armando, you make a very good point there, because at least when Tony Jones was a law enforcement officer, quote unquote, it could be argued, if nothing else, then for public relations, that he was there to protect, if you will, the uh, the school in some way, shape, or form. But now he's not. He's in a staff member of the uh, Gainesville Commission. So why does he? get to stay in the trailer? That's a very interesting question. Why well, was he I'm going to make here an argument against... Armando, we have a question here. Uh, why was Tony Jones removed as the chief of police to begin with? This is coming from a listener. All right, let me, let me address one point. I'll come back to that, I promise. So I'm going to disagree with you respectfully on, on even when he was in law enforcement. Those trailers are for school resource officers and taking out something that school resource officers are doing. Tony Jones makes 160000 a year and did as chief and can afford his own housing and his own car, but he has been pillaging and think, living off the taxpayer. He can afford his own house. Go get your own house. Now, to answer the question that, that was asked, why? Well, Harvey Ward, who likes to target black folk, who I don't know why black folks would vote for him and why Evelyn's up there supporting him, but he was targeting, he's targeted black women and black people. He hates Tony Jones and wants him out as police chief. That's why. He also targeted Deborah Bowie. He targeted O. Michelle Ganey. He targeted Deborah Bowie. And a list, a list, a list goes on. Ta Harvey Ward is a racist. A racist thug and bully. Period. And yes, I'm a Democrat. Calling him that. Well, the, the, uh, there's some people also kind of upset with him for uh, some other things that really don't have much to do with the inside information you've got, just his general. What do you think of the chances, since you're very close to the pulse, evidently, the city of Bolarski and these type of people changing, actually changing? That's the only way we're going to get there is to change and break up and fracture. Well, 
it, we we can't have some folks that want to uh, also enter the race because people are telling other people to possibly get in the race. Uh, I am supporting Ed Bilarski un- unapologetically, and I I, I am. Um, I want to be clear: Ed Bilarski is not was not the decision maker. He was the administrator of the utility. The person that we hold accountable is Ward and Ariola, and Ariola is another one. Ariola, I don't know why is in this race. He, the, 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 um, July Thomas, who's the other candidate in the race, outraised David Ariola, who's been in the race since December. Since December. And I think Ed Bilarski has over 20 grand, and I think Harvey Ward has just under 20 grand. So, I, I mean, I am unapologetically for Ed Bilarski and will be voting for him, and I'm giving him a grand. That's, that's all I can tell you. I am unapologetically for him. Well, we have another question coming in here. Um, what is behind the replacement of Jones by um, um, Scott? You know, with the, Lonnie Scott. Lonnie, Lonnie, yes, is that a is that a lateral move? That's an interim a- position, and that's that was a city manager's call. So she's putting around. She's trying to insulate herself, right? So because I've called her out on being a racist, which she is, I've called her out on that. She's trying to insulate herself with black people to to get to to drum up support. And about, I'm you, sorry, black Curry, people. You, you call Curry the racist. Cynthia Curry, yes. Yeah. I call yeah. Cynthia Curry a racist. Yes, you're attacking black people. You're or excuse me. You're attacking. You're firing white people to replace them with black people. And yes, while I'm black, you think I won't attack her because she's a black woman? Yes, I will. I don't care what color you are. If you're wrong, you're wrong. And it's what she's doing is wrong. It's it's completely wrong. She's targeting people because of their phenotypes. That they have no control over. It's a, it's absurd. It's absurd. We're talking Mondo Grundy. In case some of you don't know, Armando, you do now anyway. And Armando, just as a little biographical background, uh, you you alluded to the fact that you've been in this um, party, then that party, but you've also been involved in uh, a lot of boards and things. And you just give a thumbnail sketch of some of the things that you've been doing, so uh, you can give some more authenticity sure. to your your comments here. Sure. So, um, uh, first, of all, first of all, I served this, this, this nation for eight years, combat, uh, veterans served during, I did not deploy, but served during operation and during freedom. Um, but, uh, wanted to be clear on that. And I served in the army eight years. Um, very proud of, of, of my service, even though Gina Mastercosta tried to tell people I had a bad conduct discharge because she's a piece of trash. Um, I served honorably and I was an 82nd airborne. I was a paratrooper. I served on the Veterans Advisory Board here for Alachua County, uh, served on the Charter Reviews Commission for Alachua County. I served on the Gainesville, the East Side uh, Community Reinvestment Area, the Community Redevelopment Agency for the city of Gainesville. And I served on the Gainesville Community Reinvestment Area, which is formerly the federal arm of the Community Redevelopment Agency, which is now a city department. And I'm also currently a master's, pursuing my master's degree as a, in public administration. So, yeah, I'm very incredible. Well, I appreciate you giving us that uh, biographical summary there. Let me just talk to production for a moment. Production, do we have anybody waiting? Uh, can we tell we have call waiting on the system? Um, let me talk to them if I can. Uh, no worries. But not right now. We don't have call waiting, so we don't know if anybody else is trying to call. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a, a break at the bottom of the hour, Mondo. And we're going to uh, okay. term- we'll terminate this call. And we'll see if anybody else calls in and give us a few minutes, if not, because you're getting some p- favorable responses here. Uh, people are listening to you. I can't listen live. So you got to give me a time frame to call back in because I tried to pull up live. But I okay, well, okay, you can't. Um, 
I, I don't know. Can I just to, hold? Um, I don't think you can hold either. Well, if you can't listen. Okay, I'll uh, give you like what, five, seven minutes to go back. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. What's that production? Yeah, we can put you back in the waiting room, Amanto. We can put you back in the okay. waiting room. Okay, outstanding. Okay. We're going to take Thank a break. You, at the so hour. We're talking here, Amando Grundy, who is really uh, very much involved in uh, all the many, many social issues here, community issues. And, and, um, and sometimes we've been adversary, sometimes been on the same side. That's the way it works, really. Uh, now, you know, you learn in politics quite early not to burn bridges because sooner or later uh, you're going to be uh, um, partners. And sometimes you're adversaries, sometimes you're partners. So it's, it's, it depends on issues quite frequently. So um, the, um, the real people in the world of politics understand that, I think, because you've got to negotiate in the end. You've got to get on down the road and move to other things. So this is what this show tries to do, tries to facilitate those conversations and make sure that the community, you, the listeners, you, my students, are involved in all this and have an opportunity to participate. So we put Amanda in, the, uh, in a chat holding room right now. And if somebody else wants to call in, we'll give, we'll give you a moment here to, to bottom the hour and we'll chat about how to do this. So we're going to take a break for a moment on the Ward Scott files and um, um, and see how you are reacting um, uh, in a moment to what uh, we've got another call coming in here. I think I would like to talk about uh, this may be actually uh, uh, production. What is what is um, Amanda's phone number he's calling from? Can you tell me? Okay, we got another caller then that wants to call and signal me that. Um, let's let's um, let's let's. Um, can we put him in the holding room and still take this other caller? Okay, okay. I'll try to cover this on the on the break. Give us give us a break now, and I'll try to take it care care. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, 
Nein, deins. Help me! Help! Help! All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files Live here. Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Command Center. We've got uh, Mondo Grundy waiting in a holding room right now on the phone because we've got another caller who supposedly is going to be calling in, but right now, as the time I'm speaking, the caller has not done so. I uh, just uh, signaled to the, by messaging that the caller could do that. We uh, appreciate your um, uh, using this calling line, we are experimenting with it. We've always wanted to do it. It does cost a, a little bit of money. So we're looking for a sponsor for it who would like to um, be associated with the call in line so that every time we answer the phone, we give your name of your business and say that you were the person who sponsored this phone line. So uh, we're gonna be looking for that because uh, this does not come free and uh, it requires a little bit of uh, extra work on the part of our production staff and all. We're working out all the details on this. So I think, uh, and you'll hear me talking to production directly while we're going through this. So I'm, I'm going to say, Evan, I think uh, if we let Armando back in, you can see another call come in. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, let's 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 let let's let Ray in for a minute, and we'll hold we'll hold Armando. Okay. Ray, you're on. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, Ward. Ward, I'd like to talk about a topic uh, that is near and dear to all of us. It is the burgeoning national debt and the fiat money that is causing it to burgeon. Go ahead, sir. We're all ears. I believe he's talking from a cell phone, which is well, a dating app. Okay, well, what the problem is, is for at the time of the memorial, uh, money was based on a commodity system, whether it be beads, tobacco, uh, or what have you, uh, then gold and silver, precious metals. I don't know who decided that that should be what is the commodity, but nevertheless, our Treasury and the United States government Money was backed by gold and silver uh, until 1971. Actually, the silver was taken out of coins in 1964. Uh, in 1933, Roosevelt, uh, President Roosevelt at that time, stated that um, or decreed that no one was allowed to own privately gold. Uh, that was subsequently rescinded, and gold was $35 an ounce right until the 1970s. 1971, Nixon took us off the gold standard, uh, completely off the gold standard, and we went on what is called fiat money. Fiat money is money that is backed by nothing but the full faith and credit of the United States government, which uh, I don't know how much uh, faith I have in the United States government anymore. Uh, how that works is the Federal Reserve simply tells the Treasury to electronically create more money, and that is sold as uh, T-bills, treasury bills, either sold to foreign entities or sometimes sold right back to the United States government, which then issues another treasury bill to pay for the expiring treasury bills. <laughs> Therefore, we are now, yeah, we are now at um, 
uh, a thirty trillion dollar debt and climbing. Um, I've always been interested in finances, you know, you know, having been a federal auditor for you know my whole career. And uh, I used to watch the debt clock 10, 15 years ago when it took about two, two and a half minutes for a million dollars to rack up in debt. Wow. Now it takes approximately 40 seconds for the uh, our national debt to rise $1 million. So let's just say uh, I'm a little off and it's a minute. That means we are racking up $60 million an hour or approximately one point. $5 billion of national debt a day. As interest rates rise, that's going to accrue even greater. And of course, the greater the principal, even if interest rates are zero, the debt service is going to continue to rise even more. Uh, I think when Clinton was in office, the national debt was in the billions. Then it finally rose to a trillion. I was mortified when it was a trillion. I was still in federal service then. Then ten trillion with Bush, twenty trillion with Obama. You, you can't just blame one party or the other, but it's gotten out of hand. The spending has gotten completely out of hand, um, and I am afraid that eventually it will collapse like the Weimar Republic that was printing money hand over fist after World War II. And you know the old rumors about uh, in the twenties of Weimar. Uh, Demarc over there, you had to uh, have a wheelbarrow full to get a loaf of bread. That's true. Yeah, I remember that. Talking with Robin, talking with Ray Stern, who has been a federal auditor. I think that's an interesting. Uh, uh, you have your you have your sound on. Show. You have to turn that off, Ray. Ray, did we lose him? Hello. Ray, you have to turn your sound off to the show because we get feedback from the show. Yeah, I turned it off, Ward. Okay, what I was saying is that, um, and by the way, for those of you callers, we have to be kind of your learning experience with us also, but you can't listen to the show while you're talking to us because we echo in the background with you. But we're talking to Ray Stern, who was a federal auditor for years, which I've always found to be fascinating about your life. Uh, can you kind of expand on that just a moment? Because that's a you just glossed over that, and I know there's many things you learned while you were doing that. Can you talk about for that for a second? Sure. I started my career in 1974 with uh, Health and Human Services, uh, looking at Social Security fraud. Um, I went uh, for a. Oh, there's that word beep. We got. I probably ought to beep that word, Ray. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but this was federal fraud. We're not talking. Well, it still beeps. They don't disturb. They don't care. They hear it. Go ahead. They don't discriminate. Okay. Well, um, federal (laughs) beep uh, on the national level in different programs. You just wouldn't believe the number of programs and the money that's out there. Uh, Then I went with an outfit called Child Support Enforcement of the federal level, because at that point in time, aid for dependent children was being paid to mothers without fathers in the home without regard as to whether the father was paying child support or not. Really? So finally, uh, I guess, yeah, this is under Jimmy Carter. They created uh, the Federal Child Support Agency to kind of review what the states were doing uh, with federal money because half of the AFDC, or now I think it's called Division of Family Services, uh, DFC, whatever, Division of Children and Family Services, 
Uh, half that money is paid for by the feds, if not more. So the states were required to go after absentee parents, and we monitored what they were doing. Uh, probably part of the main reason I took that job was I got to travel to Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. Uh, and I stayed with them for a while, and then I was fascinated by the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Office of Inspector General, uh, because that went after food stamps, uh, farming fraud, which is unbelievably beep. big with the disaster. We, beep, we beeped you on that. Yeah. We beeped. Disaster beep. Correct me, Ward. Food stamp I'll learn beep. After a okay. while. <laughs> yeah, food stamp beep, farming beep, workers' compensation, federal, it's called Office of Workers' Compensation Program, OWCP. It paid federal employees 75% of their salary uh, tax-free if they were um, deemed uh, disabled enough to where they could not do their job. Well, you'd be surprised how many of them that I found that really could do their job and were doing many other jobs while collecting uh, workers' compensation. Uh, but the area that I enjoyed the most was food stamp fraud because I got to go out and <laughs> okay, food stamp beep. Uh, That's right. Or let's just and say what you're saying. What you're saying here, program. by the way, let me interrupt for a moment, Ray, because you are giving us a shopping list of all the various ways in which beep has been going on in all these various agencies, and what you're illustrating is a documented source uh, 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 ledger of waste which everyone suspects that these congressional people have no idea where the money comes from or how it arrives, if it does ever where it's supposed to go. And so this whole fashionable thing right now about voting beep is just really, is it not, when you put it in the context of all these agencies you're talking about with credibility, have been doing their version of beep forever. Am I right? Yes. Man. Well, for instance, the Department of Agriculture, there are several departments in the, in the government. I don't know how many, but within each department, there are agencies. Now, the Department of Agriculture had over 50 agencies. One of them was rural housing. One of them was rural rental housing. Then there's food stamps. Then there's the Forest Service. Uh, the list goes on and on. The only problem I had was I had to become a pseudo expert in each of the agency's uh, programs in order to go out and tell them what they were doing wrong. And that was, uh, that was uh, a whole undertaking unto itself. Because here I'm dealing with people that have dealt with these programs for years and years and nothing but these programs. And we had to go out and prove fraud, waste, and abuse. Because that was the, under the Inspector General Act of 1978. Uh, they created inspector generals for almost every department in the government. And we became uh, like a law enforcement arm, uh, not quite like the FBI, but nevertheless, we did a lot of stuff that was undercover work. Uh, for instance, in Miami, I would go out and try to traffic food stamps and follow them through the system or sell food stamps to these illicit grocers that would then turn them into food and nutritional services for a dollar on a dollar. So these guys would either steal people's food stamps from the mailbox, and then, of course, they would go ahead and get reimbursed by the feds. They'd get their food stamps again. And many times people would sell these food stamps to these uh, thugs, gangsters, uh, middlemen, who would then take them to crooked grocery stores. 
So the gangster might pay the individual 75 cents on a dollar for the food stamps. Then he'd sell it to the grocery store for 90 cents on the dollar. And the grocery store would be uh, reimbursed by the feds, food nutritional service, a dollar on a dollar. So that's a quick way to make 10 or 15% on your money. Not, not bad work if you uh, don't mind committing. Beep. Well, you know, we have a uh, question here, Ray. We have a question is, is food stamp the biggest beep program that you've run across? Because people are really listening to what you're saying here, this uh, string of beeps. Uh, is, and I don't know if there's any way for you to categorically answer this question. Well, let me give you, let me give you an example. I don't know if it's the biggest beep. I think Medicare and Medicaid uh, are probably, probably the biggest beeps. Uh, but in 1985, and we're going back away, so I'm dating myself, but when I did most of my food stamp work was in Miami in the uh, 80s and early 90s. Uh, I had to do uh, a review of the food stamps uh, that were maintained at Wells Fargo. That was the uh, central warehousing of the government's food stamps for just Dade County. And Dade County is one of, I think, 3,360 counties in the country. Granted, it's one of the 10 biggest, but nevertheless, it's only one county. And this is one lousy program out of thousands government has giveaway programs. So in Dade County in 1985, the food stamp budget was $50 million a month. My guess is with the progression of population and the rising poor, that the food stamp budget for Dade County now is probably 100,000, uh, I mean 100 million a month. These figures are almost incomprehensible, but they're, they're real. There's that much out there. Now, I don't know how much of that is fraud, maybe 20%. I mean, it's not all fraud. Obviously, people, people need stamps. But originally, the food stamp program was you bought a dollar's worth of food stamps for a quarter because they wanted you to have some skin in the game. And then that got to be to where there was beep was committed, as well as the fact that it was hard to keep track of the money and what to do with it and who to send it to. So they just theoretically lowered the food stamp allotment and just gave you the stamps. Of course, then that got, um, I don't know, can I say the word bastardized? Um, well, you can use that. that. Yeah, we're changed. okay with that. Yeah. It's okay. a family show. That, that verb, That verb applies, even though it's a family show. Uh, we understand what you're talking about. Yeah. It's illegitimate. It's illegitimate. Yeah. We're not really calling anybody that. We're just saying that the uh, system changed and not for the better. Right. Um, to where the allotments kept on going up and kept on going up, I guess, partially with the cost of living and inflation. But now to where a family of four is probably getting somewhere, you know, depending on the poverty level, getting, uh, I don't know, eleven to $1,200 a month in food stamps. That, that's an awful lot of, awful lot of money. Um, and that's just one program award. We're talking with Ray Stern, who was a federal auditor and has had a fascinating experience with the federal government for he was to go out and find where all the uh, various forms of beep had occurred in all these various programs. And what you're hearing is that the waste, you know, it's funny in a way, way the liberals are very concerned about vi what I'm going to call visual waste, you know, by the roadside, oh, there's a bottle thrown out or, you know, how unless it's of course the homeless and the hungry on the street corners, but this financial waste of their money 
which is really not backed up by anything. It's just being printed. You know, this is concerning because I see these numbers now that we're throwing out at helping Ukraine. This is a typical American way, I guess. Just spend money you don't have and kick the can down the road and let the future generations pay the debt. Or in your, what you pointed out, sell a bond back to the same guy you borrowed it from and then pay that back with borrowed money. It's crazy. Um, uh, where's it all going to wind up? And you, on your, your experience, you're, you're, uh, you're an accounting guy. We've got a, a very a good buddy here who's an accountant listening. So you're, you're, um, you're telling us some things that a private accountant would never have an opportunity to come across, would he? Well, if a private accountant approved this type of budgeting, he'd go to prison. Uh, wow. Sure. Uh, if a CPA who is doing uh, the books and financial statements of a company that was manufacturing money or manufacturing fake widgets, and he certified to that in any uh, annual audit, he'd go to prison. Uh, what the federal government is doing is criminal. It's been criminal. Uh, you see it in the price hikes. Uh, our illustrious president calls it inflation. Putin's got nothing to do with this. It's too much money chasing too few goods. Then on top of that, when you stop domestic oil production, uh, everything costs more because it costs more to truck. But anyway, I'm getting a little bit off the subject. The bottom line is the national debt is not going to decrease. I don't know where the government accountants get these figures that uh, these programs are going to be paid for and we're going to reduce the national debt. See, there's two things. Is the annual budget deficit, which the last time we didn't have a budget deficit was under Bill Clinton. And at the time, we might have not liked Clinton that much, but he might have been the best president uh, since Ronald Reagan. Seriously, he, he I wasn't have to a agree bad with you guy. On that. I have to agree with you on that, Ray. I think Bill Clinton was a very good president. Yeah, he was kind of a centrist. And uh, yeah. his little peccadillos really have nothing to do with anything because as we found out, they all have you know, the skeletons in their closet. But getting back to your question, you can't have the debt rise forever. I mean, I suppose the debt could go on like this for my lifetime, which I hope. It's just that, you know, instead of paying, uh, you know, now eight or nine dollars for a hamburger, you can be paying 20, 25 dollars for a hamburger. Uh, you just can't keep on printing money, uh, giving out raises people. And I'm not just talking about the minimum wage. Uh, I'm talking about take federal salaries. When I hired on to the government, BS5 back in 74, and I was on an accelerated scale because I was an accountant with a criminology degree. Ooh. Um, they were paying me 9900 a year. That same guy starts out now at about mm, 40, 42,000. When I retired as a journeyman, 12, I didn't go to a supervisory slot that would have required moving to Atlanta. And I just like hanging out in Florida. I like the work I did the way I did it. Um, I retired at about $54,000 a year. That same GS-12 Step 8 now makes about 110000 a year. Now, granted, that's 20 years ago, but you see where things are going. Uh, Every time there's a federal raise, 
the new guy gets the same thing as the old guy does. In other words, you know, you may not come in as his high grade, but when you come in as a GS five or a seven or a nine, you're getting hired on that new accelerated pay scale because it never, it never decreases. It always increases. Um, I like to say when I started working in the seventies that I came in halfway to the federal experiment, which started in the thirties with Roosevelt and the alphabet agencies. Um, now, uh, another 40, 50 years has passed, and the experiment is getting quite dangerous and I think failing, kind of like Gainesville's 10-year plan to end homelessness is now in its 20th year and failing miserably. Well, we have a comment here, that, comment here that someone of, 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 of significant uh, 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 experience with these sort of things that says it sounds like the city of Gainesville that we were just talking about with our previous caller, Armando Grundy, where... Um, the, 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 the Fox is watching the hen house. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, I don't know. Ray, I had a, I'm going to, we don't have to wind this down in, in, in a second, but we've got, we've got to continue the conversation with you guys at some point, but especially let me, I had a discussion with a, with an accountant just a couple of days ago, who is a Republican who is not an accountant, but he's, he was, that was his business, um, running, you know, businesses and accounting for where the money was and everything. And he said, should the Republicans get in, as everybody wants and hopes or thinks might happen, they are going to have enormous pressure to go find every dollar they can find to pay for this free spending that the Democrats are doing. And therefore, things are going to be, have to be, if we're really going to be accountable, pretty darn tight. I thought that was a very interesting comment. I'll pass it along to you, sir. Yeah, the, the thing that's really scary, Ward, is uh, interest rates are going back up, which is good for savers. They should never have been this low. I think part of the reason they were kept so low is so that the feds wouldn't have to pay any money uh, to those holding T-bills or, you know, as little as they can. But interest rates are rising. And remember, the debt service is going to increase as the debt itself increases, even with zero interest. Um, the national debt, if it increases, then the amount that we are going to be in debt each year uh, is going to raise, uh, or the, the debt that we're accruing daily is going to be higher and higher and higher. Uh, for all the listeners, take a look at the nationaldebtclock.org. It's amazing when you see the number spin so fast that in the time it would take you to click a stopwatch, uh, you know, a million dollars goes by. It's, it, it's scary. National debt. Uh, Say that again for the listeners. National debt. I think it's the nationaldebtclock.org. They can just Google national debt clock. Okay. Um, I've had it on my computer for 20 years. It's just unbelievable when you watch the uh, debt go by. Uh, It's it's kind of like a gas pump. We've been talking with Ray Stern, who called in as obviously a fan of the show and watches. I see him quite a bit and is a good friend also. But uh, great, uh, great experience as a federal auditor. Actually, I think you told me one time you had arrest powers. You could actually go out and take these people in if you caught them for being uh, um, undisciplined, if you will, with a dollar. I want to. Yeah, my, you... Go ahead. Yeah, we were uh, in 1978 under the Inspector General Act. Uh, yeah, we, the Inspector General guys had police powers. We had auditors and investigators. I've worked on both sides. Uh, so, yes, although I never had to make any arrests, anytime there were any arrests to be made, 
uh, the Dade County Sheriff would be called in. Uh, we weren't like the FBI, but yeah, we carry pistols. And uh, a couple of times in Dade County, I requested that I have a ride-along guy that had more than a pistol in the car because I was going to some very, very dangerous areas. The Dade County cops were laughing at me because I was on my own for a while. <laughs> they couldn't believe that the agency would send me into some of these areas without any, <clears throat> excuse me, without any backup. But, uh, well, that's I'm, most I'm sure it's all changed the way it's done now between cell phones and communications. And, uh, I mean, when we did these things, uh, nobody knew where we were. Uh, there was no GPS. Nobody had a cell phone. So anyway, thanks uh, for calling in Ray. I want to uh, thank you so much. And, uh, and in the, in, the, in the name of fairness, I'll go back. And, uh, and we've had Amanda waiting in the queue. Amanda, we're going to give you a couple of more minutes here, and then we'll have to sign off, sir. So if you're still in the queue, we'll, we'll tap you in. But hopefully uh, you got to hear some of this discussion. If not, you can hear it when we archive it. Is he still in the queue, production? Okay, Amanda, we got a couple of seconds. I don't know if you heard this great conversation today with this second caller about uh, financial irresponsibility in a part of the government, but it echoes and segues right into what you were talking about with the city of Gainesville. And anything you want to complete with, we got a, just a couple of minutes, sir. I didn't want to be uh, forget you over there. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, I did hear him. I said I, everything minus the, the fiat currency and the gold standard uh, which I know very well as well. I appreciate I appreciate the, uh, your your last caller very much. Uh, for me, uh, looking at where you're go where we we all see our government at work is here locally, and no matter what municipality or town or city you're in, which is a municipality, uh, we all want or should want ethical, transparent government. For the city of Gainesville. We're not having any of that. And when I called it a dumpster fire, it is just that. Uh, and it's going to get far worse before it gets better. And the fact that we have a, a, a thug and a racist that is Harvey Ward, who is going to now try to insulate and overcompensate. He has promised Zariah Folston, the former city manager of Archer and Palaka, uh, the permanent position for the Office of Equity and Inclusion, a permanent job. He's promised a city interim city manager, a permanent job. I don't know how he's able to do that when he's not the mayor, but really what's happening by design ward with all this stuff, Harvey Ward and David Ariola and that bunch want to show you how bad these chart officers are, which they're not really bad. Normally it's Lee Feldman. That was bad because they want a strong mayor form of government. So ward and company can say, Hey, look at what I did when he was the cause of all this. He is the well, he is a horrible human being. Well, thank you very a much. Horrible human being. We're gonna to have to sign off, but I can tell you that the feedback we've gotten from our guests uh, for the call-in show today has been very positive. We enjoy uh, and appreciate the fact that you utilize it, and uh, the guests that followed Ray Stern utilized it, and we invite uh, more of you all to tune in on our call-in days, and we'll find a way to if we start getting a lot of people calling in and, and breaking the time down, so. Uh, we can we can break it into parts, but today it worked out fine. We had a couple of uh, people who were basically shared the same amount of time on the line. So thanks, uh, Ward. Thank you, thank you, Armando. We'll uh, be back Monday. We'll be broadcasting a really great show from the Spurrier Podcast Studio in the Spurrier uh, Grill uh, with my guest for Coach Hogg's Locker Room with 
the great, um, um, just a really interesting fellow and good friend, Lee McGriff. So you want to take that in uh, Monday and catch that show. It's going to be uh, really a delight. I want to thank production for handling all these calls so so uh, so well. And uh, yes, we are looking for a sponsor for the line. Uh, we invite you to uh, contact me on that. And we want to uh, use this as a service to the community. And you can participate with us in that conversation, of course, is now going to be posted in just a moment on wordscottfiles.com. Uh, it will be uh, put also on YouTube and also on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, etc. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great weekend. Warthog Command Center out.